Welcome to WMFA, a podcast where writers talk writing. I'm Courtney Ballastier, and on this week's mini-sode, I'm talking about shame. Shame came up with my previous guest, Linda K. Klein, whose book Pure talks about women in the evangelical community and how they were raised to be ashamed of their sexuality which right now I feel in a very dark place about how we treat women and their sexuality. Uh, But that's a different kind of show. So in the context of writing and storytelling, you know, Linda and I talked a lot about the power of sharing those stories and how those women, knowing that they weren't alone, helped them start to overcome the shame that had been indoctrinated into them. And when I interviewed Linda, I happened to have also just finished reading Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And I don't know, maybe she turns some people off, but her work is really powerful to me. the Gifts of Imperfection was a really important book for me, and I want to do a mini-sode on perfectionism at some point, so I won't dive too deeply into that here. Uh, but Daring Greatly was also really powerful for me, and I think has a lot of really powerful messages for creatives, um, because it is so much about showing up to be seen. And writing for me has always been an exercise in, in self-expression, which I know is obvious, uh, perhaps, but I think more of a kind of like self-definition or self-identification. Um, I love the idea of writing and reading as this double-sided instrument with which you can understand yourself and then help someone else understand themselves. To write something down that you recognize to be true and then for someone else to read that and see themselves reflected back at them on the page. Uh, that's, uh, That's always been really, really powerful for me. And when we talk about shame, of course, a lot of what we're talking about is vulnerability. It's Brene Brown's whole jam, so I won't get into that too much. Um, But, you know, that's that's a large part of the creative process, which is terrifying. And I think, you know, when I think about shame in the context of my own work, and even just like really broadly in the context of myself as an artist, I think that there's a lot of shame for me in claiming that I have a story in the first place. Uh, Wanting to take up space, wanting to want to take up space instead of apologizing for it. Um, And there are a million patriarchal side roads I could go down about that too about feeling like your role is to minimize yourself. But the point that I'm getting at for our purposes is that art doesn't do that. Art does the opposite of that. You know, making art is announcing that you have something to say. And that can make you feel shame. You can think, who am I to say anything? I think often of Jennifer Haig, who was on the show last year, and she says that literature is an exercise in empathy. And I agree with that for sure. I just think that maybe self-empathy is my first hurdle, if that makes sense. Um, And hopefully doesn't make me sound too narcissistic. Uh, But when I think about, you know, the writers I really connect with, uh, writers like Sheila Hetty, um, who does a lot of autofiction, you know, which I don't necessarily do, but but who does scrutinize her mind and her emotions or her character's mind and emotions in a really granular way that really resonates with me. Um, I've always loved David Foster Wallace for the same reason. and, and those are some of my most powerful memories of reading. Uh, Dave Eggers, who's not really a writer I've kept up with much, um, I, I remember really vividly reading Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius and reading this passage in which he's, you know, bracing himself for his, his parents' death. And he realizes, he starts thinking about how he's going to alert the family. And he starts wondering if his phone, if their house phone can do conference calls. And maybe he should go buy a phone that can do conference calls. And how would he set that up? And this whole tangent kind of develops. And I just read it like, oh, my God. Like, it felt, it felt like my head, you know. It, it, and I think anybody with anxiety, you know, will be familiar maybe with the thought process of just getting completely carried away 
by a tangent and, you know, of course, avoiding the pain that you're about to feel by focusing really in a really detailed way on this trivial thing. Um, so, so, you know, that was really, that was really powerful to me, you know, a little chunk out of that wall of isolation to just feel like, oh, somebody else gets that. And so there's a lot of vulnerability in writing that. And then there's a recognition of vulnerability in reading it. And I think a lot about that with my own writing, you know, especially my fiction, because that's what scares me the most to think about where am I holding back? And am I holding back because I'm ashamed of what I want to say? Am I ashamed of the thoughts that are coming into my head? You know, am I being too judgmental of everything that's happening in my creative process? And I think a lot of times the answer is yes. So I was thinking about shame because of Linda's episode and because of Daring Greatly. And then I remembered this conversation I had with my agent a couple years ago. Um, and so I know I've talked a little bit about, you know, my transition to fiction and this nonfiction proposal that I was working on previously, I think I mentioned in, in the fear episode. Um, so, you know, I see now that this really interesting thing happened when I realized that what I wanted to be working on was the novel. So, you know, I had this nonfiction proposal. It didn't sell. Um, and I knew once that was kind of off the table that the thing, the project I was most excited about was the novel. But then what I did next was come up with like eight different nonfiction proposal ideas that I, that I just threw in my way like obstacles. I was manic with ideas. Uh, most of them half-baked, all of them intriguing enough, which was the thing. You know, it was like, oh, but I could do this instead. That's fine. And when I think about why I was doing that, you know, I was just shoving these detours in my face. Um, I think there's a lot of fear, of course, of being afraid of the thing that you really want. A lot of hedging your bets, keeping yourself safe, you know, thinking if I've got these couple things cooking, then no one thing can really disappoint me that much. And honestly, I can't remember the order of events here, but at one point, my agent and I had a phone call. And I said that what I was most excited about was the novel and that it was what I wanted to do. And I realized when I said it how scared I was to tell her that because I had acquired this agent on the merit of my nonfiction. So I felt like she was going to abandon me. But she's amazing, as I've said before, you know, so she didn't flinch. But she said this thing that really took my breath away. And it's taken me a long time to kind of unpack. You know, it was one of those things that hit me really viscerally. And I didn't quite know why. But she said, you don't have to be ashamed of wanting that. And she was right. I did feel ashamed of it. I think I still do somewhat feel ashamed of it. I always feel ashamed of what I want. And that goes back to that shame for taking up space, for showing up as someone who has needs and wants and interests and opinions. And, and I realize that's getting a little off track of the creative process, but it's really hard to separate these things at a certain point. Um, and I think that so much of what our drive to create comes from is this grit that we feel inside ourselves, this irritation that motivates us. You know, David Bowie had this great quote, always remember that the reason you initially started working was there was something inside yourself that, if you could manifest it, you felt you would understand more about yourself. So then I started thinking about shame in that context. Why did it feel shameful to want to make art? And there's a lot there. You know, an obvious thing is that it wasn't what I had trained and worked and gone into massive student loan debt to do. But also, and this has come up on the show from time to time, I think it was about growing up in an environment where art wasn't really valued. Or my, the kinds of art that I wanted to make wasn't really valued. And I mean that really idiosyncratically to me. Um, I think you can grow up poor in the country in an environment that appreciates art, and you can grow up rich in a city in an environment that doesn't. So I always want to be really careful when I talk about this, but I do want to talk about it because it's something that really affects me as a creative person. Um, and with the huge caveat, of course, that the people in my life have always been very supportive. But I didn't grow up around big readers, really. 
And I didn't grow up around an emphasis on or a prioritization of art. I also didn't grow up around many people who loved what they did, you know, who were passionate about their careers. And so through a lot of subtle cues, I think I developed a specific understanding of work as a concept. And work is often labor, where I grew up. Uh, Your work probably doesn't define you. It's not necessarily something you want to be doing. Um, It's a thing you do to support the rest of your life, which, to be clear, I respect that. But that's the opposite of being an artist, where you're so invested in your work and it feels like such a part of you and so intrinsic to your identity. And hopefully, at least some of the time, right, you like it. So the idea that you could like work, that work could be exciting, and this is a huge block for me, that you could love something and earn money from it at the same time. You know, and, and I think that also comes back to this deep-seated thing I have where, of, of art feeling just frivolous and unimportant. And I think, you know, we all struggle with that idea at some point, that what we do doesn't matter, so why are we doing it? Um, and then maybe we beat ourselves up for doing it, for wanting to do it. And I think I do feel shame and guilt around that being what I want to do. I think I feel shame when certain people close to me who love me but don't necessarily share an interest in the interests that comprise my work talk about not understanding something I've done or not knowing something in a piece I've written. And I immediately go into this role of apologizing for the work or denigrating the work or apologizing for myself or denigrating myself to make them feel comfortable. And then passively, of course, what happens is that all of that discomfort gets attached to the work. And that's back to Brene Brown again. You know, she writes in Daring Greatly that shame is the fear of disconnection. It's the fear of putting yourself out there and being misunderstood. Which I guess all comes back to this idea of owning yourself, you know, owning what you want. Owning what you want to say, owning who you are, what your art says about you, and letting all of that stand and be enough for you on your own terms, not someone else's. The WMFA logo was created by Unsold Studio, and the theme music is Jazz Dancer by Double Winter. Find them at doublewinter.bandcamp.com. WMFA is made in Detroit by Courtney Ballastier, LLC. All rights reserved.